0: All right. If you were here last week, um, the Lord, I'm just going to give you a quick little summary to catch you up. I felt like the Lord got out a wooden spoon and he stirred us up a little bit. Um, he reminded us that the gospel doesn't get old and it doesn't lose its shine um, and that it's powerful and it's mighty. Um, And so if you felt like you've been in the trenches and forgetting, if if life's felt a bit hard, last week the Lord just stirred us up to remember what the hope of our calling is. And so if you missed it, here's a one minute recap. You have all things pertaining to life and godliness. Amen. I need some amens here because this is good news. Notice it's not just godliness, it's life and godliness. God has given us everything we need to rule and reign in this life. So practically for life and practically for godliness, the Bible says we have everything that we need. Praise God, that's good news. Another point, we need to know God. This is eternal life, that you might know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. It's the reason why Jesus came, so that we can know him. So we need to know him. We also read in Peter, it said, Make every effort. Laziness isn't a fruit of the Spirit. Let's take hold of everything that's available to us through the gospel. What else do we remember? Remember? We remembered the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Uh, We remembered that we have a choice. We can choose to seek the things that are above. We also remembered to ask God for stuff. We were reading Ephesians 1, and it says, like, we can ask him for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Who wants that? I want that. In my life um, we also read that we have an inheritance praise God we have an inheritance as God's children we also read there's immeasurable power available to you through Jesus this is the life of a Christian we have immeasurable power available to us through Jesus we also read that Jesus is king above everything so we need to stop focusing on what the enemy's doing and start believing and trusting in the greatness of Jesus and the power of his blood. And then the final point was the church has received the authority and the power of Jesus and is the fullness of Jesus. So for me, that means the church is the answer to the world. The world needs the church to rise up. So for me personally, I was like on fire by the time I got home. I was lucky because I got to hear it twice. I got to be in prayer that day and hear like what the Father wanted to say. And then I got to hear it again when I was like sharing the gospel. And I wanna encourage you, I'm not preaching at you. I'm like with you, I'm preaching to myself too. I, I was probably the chief of people that needed to be reminded of the gospel I needed to be stirred up. So I went home and I was buzzing. I was like, yes, God's real. The gospel's real. He's in me. I can do anything. So I've had an awesome week. (laughs) Um, But since then, my spirit's just felt on high alert. I'm like, anything could happen. Like, God's real. He's, He's like in me, like... He's in my family, he's, he's in this church, he wants to do something, he wants to change the world, he wants to, to break through the darkness with light. So I've like been on high alert and I've been compelled to pray and compelled to be in the word, not out of a works thing, but it's just like, I wanna know what he's saying because I wanna partner with what he's doing. I don't wanna be complacent. And it's a joy. I get to talk to him and I get to hear what he's saying and I get to, to read the word and just feel myself. So I've been seeking him. Um, and on Tuesday, I was seeking him and I felt he, he gave me a word for our community in this season. And it's simple. It's so simple. <laughs> but it has profound implications if we apply it. Okay? Are you ready? It's, it's, it's simple, but I, I felt the Lord say, Glory City, Darwin, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Okay, so let's, let's have a think about that. Let's unpack that a little bit. So we're going to be reading from Genesis 13. So if you want to turn there. I hope you bought your Bibles. Oh, you're fine. That's good. So we'll read from Genesis 13. Um, If you're taking notes, it's 1 to 18. I'm going to paraphrase the first little bit um, and then we'll pick up the story. So we have a story of Abram. Sorry, it was before Abram was named Abraham by the Lord. We have the story of Abram and Lot they're brothers, they're rich, they have lots of livestock, they have servants, they have herdsmen, um, and they're, they're, I don't know what they were doing, traveling around together. They pitched tents in those days. They, they were living on the land with their servants and livestocks and families and herdsmen. And because they were so rich, Because they had so many livestock, the land couldn't support them all. So there were quarrels between the herdsmen. There were fights breaking out. And Abraham Abraham was just like, all right, I've got to do something about this. This isn't working anymore. So he says to Lot, we need to go our separate ways. I want you to decide which direction you want to go. And I'll go the other way. And so Lot, he looks up and he surveys the land and he sees that towards Jordan, the land is green and well watered and so he decides, I'm, I'm going to go that way. It's like Eden, it's like Egypt, that way looks good, other way not so good. So Lot goes towards that way and Abram, true to his word, he turns and goes in the opposite direction. So in that moment, Abraham could have been feeling pretty... Sorry, Abram. I keep calling him Abraham. (sighs) Destiny over his life, Abraham. (laughs) Um, Abram probably felt pretty ordinary. He had to separate from his brother. He would have had grief in his heart. He'd been dealing with problems. He'd been dealing with quarrel... I can't even say the word, fights, breaking out. <laughs> He'd been dealing with that. Um, and to top it all off, he had to go the sucky way. He had to go the way that wasn't green and watered and beautiful. And so he could have, like, felt down in the dumps. He probably did. He, he was probably having a moment... Has anyone ever had a moment like that where you're like, man, I've got the rough end of the stick here. This (laughs) this isn't good for me. So we're going to pick it up in verse 14. And it says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the Oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. So the Lord gave him an instruction. He was probably like walking along feeling sorry for himself. And the instruction of the Lord at that time was lift up your eyes. We can take something away from that. Psalm 21, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. My beloved friends, in every season, I promise this is always the answer. Lift up your eyes. I don't care what the situation is. If you are suffering, lift up your eyes. If you're sick, lift up your eyes. If you need direction, lift up your eyes. If you need wisdom, lift up your eyes. If you're hurting or grieving, lift up your eyes. If you don't know what to do, lift up your eyes. If you're discouraged, lonely, depressed or oppressed, the Lord is saying to you, lift up your eyes. (sighs) And yes, to our church community, to our family here, the Lord is saying, lift up your eyes. Why? Why would he say that? Because while our eyes are on here, ourselves, or here on what the problem is, or here on what the enemy is doing, or here on what other people are thinking and talking about and and saying, we can't possibly be in tune with the heart of God. I want to know what he wants to do. He's the answer. He's the solution. And he always has something to say. He's not a silent God. He always has the right perspective available. But for us, I feel like it requires us to be intentional. And we need to make lifting our eyes up a priority and a default setting of our lives. We need to rewire our thinking to have kingdom defaults, no matter what. You need to train your brain to think the kingdom way. And I promise that learning to do this, it will yield a harvest of peace and wisdom in your life. I want the default of my brain to be, what's God saying about this? Problem comes, what's God say? Feeling comes, what's God say? Bad report comes, what's God say about this? I'm going to lift up my eyes in every season, in every situation. Because Jesus, I know that you're the answer. You have the solution. You are mighty to save. Come on. So God gave Abram a direction. Lift up your eyes. But then he gave him a promise. Verse 15. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Wow, he's going the sucky way. He lifts up his eyes and God gives him a massive promise. <laughs> I have found that, that true in my life that every time I've lifted my eyes to the Lord, he's reminded me of a promise. We have an inheritance. Remember we talked about it last week? We have lots of promises available to us. Even the promise of, I will never leave you or forsake you. Like, my gosh. Imagine if we just believed that. Far out. I have a little story. Um, There was a time in my life, it was probably nearly 12 years ago now, and I had had a really tough time. I'm not gonna go into what happened, um, but I I had been through the ringer that week and by the end of the week, um, I was like, I've lost, it felt like I'd lost all of the people that were really close to me Um, And then, to top it all off, I miscarried a 13-week-old baby at the end of the week. And so I remember lying in a hospital bed and a nurse just looking at me and just being like, whoa, you are not okay. She could see. I had no hope. No, all hope was gone. And I remember, like, the days after that, I'm lying in my bed, um, feeling sorry for myself. I was in the trenches. I was not looking up. I was not okay. Um, And I was probably on the verge of depression. Um, I had lots of horrible thoughts coming my way. And, but the good news is, I was born again, (laughs) praise God. And God spoke to me in that place. So one morning I remember waking up and I was like, oh, <laughs> I really don't want to do today. I don't, wanna, I don't even want to be alive. I don't want to think about my life. And God spoke and he said, Naomi, do you, are you going to lie in that bed for the rest of your life? or are you going to get up and fight? And I was like, I'm the victim here. Why are you speaking to me like that? And Holy Spirit said, Naomi, are you going to lie in that bed for the rest of your life or are you gonna get up and fight? And I was like, I'm gonna get up and fight. And so I lifted my head, and it was really hard, and I got out of that bed, and I put one foot in front of the other, and I proceeded forward. Few days later, attacked with thoughts of just not nice thoughts. And I was, I remember being we had a walk-in closet and you'd walk through the closet into the bathroom. And I just remember being overcome with, with just yuck in my brain and I fell to the floor and I'm crying and I'm like, I can't do this. But God spoke. And he said, Naomi, I've got you back. That's all he said. That was my promise. I'd lifted my eyes and then he gave me a promise. I've got you back. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So by lifting my eyes and hearing God promise that he has he has my back, it deposited a big seed of faith in my heart. And faith is like hands. You can see faith like hands. faith reaches out and grabs the promises of God. But if you can't see them, there's nothing for your faith to grab hold of. Does that make sense? So you need to see it, so then you can take hold of it. So then he led me to learn to take every thought captive. Captive. So a thought would come and I would say, No, God has my back. I can step out of this, I can walk forward. And it all started with lifting up my eyes. It's powerful. It's so powerful. All right, back to the back to the message back to the word. So God gave Abram a direction lift up your eyes, a promise. I'm going to give you all of this land and your, your, um, your people are going to be greater than the sands on the shore. Um, and then three, God gave Abram something to obey, an action to take. Verse 17 says, arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled, blah, blah, blah. I really love that the Lord gave Abram not only a promise, but a practical step to take. How kind is he? Because we can have all the promises in the world, but we need to know what it practically looks like to start to take hold of them. So when you're lifting up your eyes, make one of your standard questions to the Lord is, What does this look like? Or what do I do now? Yeah? So summary, we can expect that when we lift up our eyes, we will see direction, a promise, and a practical step to take. Amen? We've got one more story. Let's jump over to 2 Kings, chapter 6. Tell me when you got it. I love this story. Gets me fired up. All right. So 2 Kings chapter 6, 8 to 17. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. Alright, so let's just catch our brains up with all of those words. We've got the king of Syria and we've got Israel. King of Syria wants to attack Israel, yeah? Um, And the king of Syria is like, I'm going to set up a trap and catch Israel. So he's like, he like plans all of that. But then, because Elisha is a prophet and he knows the heart of God, God tells him what the king of Syria says. And so he warns the king of Israel, don't go there because the Syrians will get you. And so it happened more than twice that um, the Syrians didn't capture the Israelites or Israel because Elisha had warned them. All right, we, we got there? And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. He called his servants and said to them, will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and see where he is, that I might send and seize him. It was told him, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So the king of Syria, annoyed, he has set up ambushes and he keeps missing. He's like, surely I must have a traitor. Um, And his servants are like, no, Elisha, he, he knows the Lord. And he knows what you talk about in your bedroom. Who wants to know the Lord like that? Me. Thank you, Jesus. May we see what you see. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to get this Elisha then. I'm not going to be having this. So he goes and surrounds where Elisha is with chariots and horses and a great army. All right. So then... When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, okay, so the servant's freaking out. He sees that we're surrounded by an army. He's like, we're in trouble, far out. (laughs) What do we do? And then Elisha answers and he says, "'Do not be afraid, for those who are with us "'are more than those who are with them.' "'Then Elisha prayed and said, "'O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see.' "'So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, "'and he saw, and behold, "'the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire, all around Elisha. Whoa. God, please open our eyes that we might see. If we can see what he's doing, then we can boldly advance. Elisha could see that and then the story goes on and they start charging for him and Elisha's just like, Lord, strike them with blindness and boom, they're all blind because Elisha knows he's got the army of God backing him. So he's like, boom, blindness. Then he leads them to another city and then he's like, boom, unblind them, Lord. <laughs> and, and so then they're like, whoa, we're in a different city And then they think they're going to be killed. But in the end, Elisha throws them a feast and sends them off home. What a great ending. But if we can see what he's doing, we can boldly advance. We can pray accurately. We can avoid time wasting. And we can defeat the enemy. God is fighting for us. So who can be against us? Romans 8:31 I told you it's simple but if you can make this a default it will serve you so well At the end of the day it all just comes back to knowing him to walking with him to ask to like communing with him and say God what are you doing today Show me, show me what you're doing. Am I going to freak out by the circumstances of life or am I going to let him lead me? We get a choice. Let's make a powerful choice. <laughs> so let's get out of the trenches of life and lift up our eyes. Because the heart of God is pulsing for the lost ones of our city. Our city needs God. Gosh, I've heard so many stories this week of just brokenness. Brokenness. People broken. Man, God cares about that more than whether our projector's working. I'll give you the hot tip. He couldn't give a rip about that. He cares about the lost. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 1 Timothy 2.4, God our Saviour who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's remember what it's all about, yeah? Let's be lifting our eyes to receive the strategy of God for loving our city and reaching the lost. At the beginning of this year, I'm gonna read uh, just a Psalm that really hit my heart and I wanna live this this way every day. And it's um, Psalm 5 verse 3, and I'll just read it in the Passion Translation, because it's particularly yummy. (laughs) It says, at each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice, as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar, and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Every day, I want to lay out my life for God and just say, God, fill me with your fire. I want the fire of God on my life. Let's stop waiting for revival to come like it's an external thing that's going to happen in the distant future. It's going to happen here. And it will, like, spill out and suck people in. And then it will, like, look like something. But it starts here first. In me, in you. Last year the Lord spoke to me and part of what he said was, revival is imminent. Imminent means within you. I was like, oh, what does imminent mean? It means within you. The Lord was like, revival's in you. The Spirit of God is in you. Of course it's in you. Of course it's in me. Revival's in you. So, Glory City, Darwin, lift up your eyes. Revival is in you. Seek the Lord. Allow his fire to fall upon your heart. Expect that when you lift your eyes, you'll receive a promise and an instruction, an action to take. Expect that there'll be action and obedience required on your behalf. It's time to engage. Do you you feel that? It's time to engage. It's time to press in and hear what God is saying so we can take hold of it by faith and see God move. I'm going to end with a quote from Larry Sparks. He put it on Facebook the other day and I was like, yes, that's exactly, yes. That is what the Lord is saying, amen. He's he's a prophet, Larry Sparks, and he said, the Apostle Paul didn't pray for open heavens. He prayed for open eyes. Heaven has been open since the day of Pentecost. May we continue to see and steward everything made available to us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God.